Hallelujah. <clears throat> yeah, so like during corporate corporate intercession, I mean every every service if you're new to New Philadelphia Church, we every Sunday we we do have this time of corporate intercession. And uh I don't know what happens, but every single time I get up to lead to lead prayer, I always just like get I get angry for some reason. I don't I've been bringing it before the Lord. I'm like, "Lord, am I an angry person?" <laughs> it's like but then I, I read, I read uh, a passage by a brother, uh, by Pastor Benjamin, who's actually uh, one of the spiritual fathers. Over, he's a spiritual father over Pastor Christian. And he talks about how uh, in the Bible, when, when the Spirit of the Lord would come on people, sometimes they would get angry. Like there was one time where, uh, where Saul, where it was talking about when Saul was king and a lot of people were crying. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul and Saul got angry. And so I realized it was biblical. So if you're wondering, uh, it's biblical for me to be up here yelling like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, my name is Marcus. I'm, I'm one of the intern pastors at New Philadelphia Church. Marcus Corpening uh, is my last name. And I'm from North Carolina. Um, and so, yeah, I'm usually up here doing the announcements. But like last week, I'll be up here delivering the word. So before I go any further, let's just bow our heads and I'll say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are good. We thank you, God, that your desire is for us. We thank you, God, that your desire is to, Lord, transform us into your likeness with ever-increasing glory. And God, I pray in this place today, God, that you would, you would transform us, God, by the renewal of our minds today, God. That, Lord, that we would, we would look more like you, God. And that we would walk in the ways that you call us to walk. That we would be the people, God, that you have purposed for us to be, Lord. And Father, I just pray, God, over each and every person in this place, God. I pray right now, Father, for just their hearts to be opened by your spirit. Make their hearts ready for your word, God. I pray, God, that every mind, Lord, would be just fine-tuned, Lord God, to what you are speaking, Father, from your channel, from your heavenly station god i pray that you would just make every mind every ear open god to hear what you have to say and father i pray that you would anoint my lips god i want to speak what's on your heart father that you may be revealed lord we just thank you it's in jesus name amen amen hallelujah so the title of today's message is out of the shadow and this word this word came to me actually uh, earlier this week when I was I was actually planning on preaching about something completely different. Uh, it was a different word that the Lord had placed upon my heart. But then earlier this week, I'm currently a seminary student at Torch Trinity. It's an English seminary uh, near Kangnam area. And I was sitting in one of my classes and the class I was sitting in was called the Holy Spirit. All right. So like I'm in a class called the Holy Spirit. So we learn about the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like weird, though, like how you can go through a class and learn like about God. We don't have like a Jesus class or a God class, but we have a Holy Spirit class. But anyways, we're sitting in that class and we're talking about, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, obviously. And if you know anything about Torch, the uh, seminary that I attend, it's an evangelical, it's an evangelical seminary. Like during worship, like no one's clapping their hands. Like if you like raise your hands, like up to this high, you're like doing something. Like you like raise your hands up to here and everyone's like, oh, he's really getting touched today. And like uh, and so like I'm sitting in this class on the Holy Spirit and we're talking. We were actually talking about nothing that has to do with Acts five. But um, 
we're talking about the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And so it's a real serious topic. But all of a sudden, like, I don't know, the class starts getting real anointed. And I start, like, rocking back and forth in class like this. And, like, I know, like, if you've been to our church just even a little while, I'm sure you've seen a couple different people here and there, like, either on the ground or, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I looked over at our sister. Um, but, you know, you see, like, different people shaking their hands or different people doing different stuff. And they're manif- it's like a manifestation because they feel the presence of God on them. And when you feel the presence of God on you, it's biblical. When, when the Holy Spirit showed up in places, people would fall to the ground shaking. And so, but I'm in this class, and all of a sudden, I start feeling like God's presence in the class. And I'm kind of, like, rocking back and forth like this. And I, but I try to like do it on beat because like, I don't want people, I'm trying to like, you know, I don't want people to think like I'm like losing my mind, but I'm like, oh snap, like, oh snap, right? And then all of a sudden, God begins to hit me with this revelation. And so it comes from the, the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. I'm going to read it out loud once again. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Ooh, it was powerful. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets, laid them on cots and mats, so that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and all those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. All of a sudden, the Lord begins to speak to me about Peter and his shadow as we're talking about something completely different in class. And I'm like, well, Lord, what are you talking about? And he says, Marcus, I have a word for your church. And I'm like, what what are you talking about? And he says, Marcus, I want to pour out my spirit and I want to fill the people in this in this church with so much of the presence that when they walk outside, their very shadow will heal people. Amen. And I'm like, wow. OK. I mean, if you look in the context of this, this passage, this is after Pentecost, right? It's after Acts 2. It's after the Holy Spirit comes down and there's tongues of fire and people are speaking in all kinds of languages. And then all of a sudden, Peter's walking around. He's prophesying. He's preaching. People are getting healed, set free, the whole nine. And now they're just chilling in Solomon's portico, which was an area of the temple. It was like an adjacent area of the temple and all the apostles are just chilling. But everyone knows about what's happening with Peter. And so they begin to lay out all the sick, right? They begin to lay out all the sick on these cots and these different mats. And then because they know that if Peter just simply walks by, this man is so filled with the presence. He's so filled with the glory of God that if his, his only shadow touches them, they'll get healed. And when he's and, and when. I was reading this and the Lord was speaking this to me. He was saying, Marcus, I don't want to just fill people with my spirit so much that they just walk down the street and people get healed. And that's actually possible. I mean, there was a brother who went on a missions trip with us uh, to, I tell this like 50 million times because every single time, like the first time I heard it, I was like, you are lying. This is not true. But this brother, he goes on a missions trip with us and they see mighty signs and wonders. He goes back home to Melbourne in Australia. And one day he's just walking down the street, right? He's just minding his own business. And he walks by this group of Aussies. And one of them has his, his leg wrapped up. And he just walks by. He just looks at him. He doesn't say a prayer. He doesn't do anything. He just walks on by. And then all of a sudden, the brother whose who's, uh, who's leg was wrapped up chases him down. He's like, yo, 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 yo. What'd you do to me? And he's like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, 
Because as soon as you walk by, my knee got hot and now I have no more pain in my knee and it's completely fine. And he was, he was like, really? Wow. And then he begins to, he tells them all about Jesus and they all get saved. I mean, so it's possible. And God wants to do that in this house. But not just simply, not just simply your shadow, but also the Lord was speaking to me, not just your shadow in terms of, of you walking down the street and the light hitting you, but also the dark things in your life. Many of us, we carry shadows. We walk around with so many shadows, so many dark things that we have done in our past. And it feels like a ball and chain, doesn't it? It's like a ball and chain that we always walk around with. I mean, you can't get rid of your shadow. But I I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying that He wants to do such a work that even the dark things in our lives bring healing to other people. You know, many of you, you felt like the dark things in your life are things that are just attached, they're yours, they just go behind you, and they're not going to be of any use to anyone. But in the same way that Peter's shadow, when he just walked by the sick, and he just walked by those who were under bondage, his darkness, his shadow healed people The Lord wants to use your shadow, the dark things in your life, to heal other people. To set other people free. You thought that the things that have happened to you and the things that you've done are only your things. And they have no use anymore. And I'll just completely forget forget them. But the Lord says, no. I'm going to use even those things to heal people. If the Lord could use Peter's shadow to heal people, how much more the dark things in our lives? So the Lord speaking this to me in, in my Holy Spirit class. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing, Lord. But he says, Marcus, there's a problem. And I was like, well, what's the problem? He said, Marcus, there's a problem. He said, right now, we're just shadows of the people that we're supposed to be. He said, Marcus, your shadow is actually supposed to be going around healing people, but you're just a shadow of the man I'm calling you to be. Needless to say, I got convicted in Holy Spirit class. <laughs> so many of us, we just walk as mere shadows of the people that God is actually calling us to be. We have the form, but we don't have the substance. You know, a shadow is defined by the absence of light. If I put... If I put my arm up right here and I look wherever it is back behind me and wherever my shadow is, where my shadow is, there is no light. And many of us have been defined by the absence and not the presence. Many of us have been defined more by what we don't have than what we do have. You know, I think there's some of you in this room that God has given you amazing ministries and he's put amazing calls on your life. But instead of you living in the presence of that calling, you're actually living in the absence. God's given you a ministry for healing, but instead you're sick. God has actually called you to be an encouragement and to be a giver and to be someone who gives extravagantly, but instead you're broke. God has called you to be a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, but instead you walk around with an orphan spirit. Feeling like, 
I'm rejected. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. God has actually called you to go out and to bring people into the kingdom and to bring saving grace to people and to bring healing to people. But instead, you're under bondage. God's called you to be someone who lives a life of radical purity. But instead, you're looking at things you shouldn't. Because our lives are defined by the absence and not the presence. But I want to tell you something. You got to turn that thing around. You hear me? You got to turn that around. Because, see, Satan, this is something that a brother spoke to me a couple weeks ago, and it really rocked me. He said, Satan attacks you in the areas in which God's calling for you is the strongest. That where you maybe getting beat down, where you may be getting persecuted, where you may be getting crushed in a certain area, that is actually the area in which God wants you to be a a vessel of grace and healing. That's actually an area where God wants you to carry up the presence instead of the absence. You're walking around sick and beaten down and you're wondering, why am I always so sick? Why am I always so beaten and down? It's actually because God has called you to a ministry of healing. Except Satan's just attacking you in that area because if he can get you to believe that you'll always be sick, you won't ever walk out to heal anybody else. You're wondering, why do I keep doing this same sin over and over and over? And it's because Satan's targeting that sin because he knows if you get over that sin and you, you experience that grace in that area, then you'll turn around and you'll go and you'll heal someone else in that place, that very place. Because you'll have an authority there. And he wants you to be defined by the presence and not the absence. You hearing me today, church? You know, the Lord began, the Lord was speaking this to me about how we need to live in the presence and not the absence. But my question to God was, how? How? How do I do that? Even me speak, saying all these things to you right now, you're like, well, you know, Pastor Marcus, those things, they sound good. I really like that. That's real good. But, but how? And it's in the life of Peter. You know, Peter didn't used to always be this kind of man who was walking down the street in his shadow healing people. Peter didn't used to be that kind of guy that everyone wanted to be around. He wasn't that kind of man who was standing up in boldness and everyone was looking at him with just so much, oh, Peter you know that's not the way people looked at Peter Peter used to be a completely different man but God changed him I want you to turn to your Bibles I want you to turn to Mark 14 and we're going to look at there's three things about Peter's life that we need to catch hold of if we're going to actually step into a step out of just simply being a shadow of who God's calling us to be and be people who where we walk down the street Even the dark things in our lives heal people. And the first thing is that you got to forget who you think you are. I'm going to say that again. You got to forget who you think you are. You're not who you think you are. And you got to realize who you actually are in Christ. I'll give all three to you right now. And then I'll give them to you later. 
And then the last one, you got to take those things, who you really are in Christ, and you got to access everything that God has for you to step into it. Mark 14. If, you, if you're there, say amen. Mark 14, verses 26 to 31. This is, an, is a real famous passage. The first thing I said is you've got to forget who you think you are, right? I'm going to read verses. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's alternate verses, all right? Uh, I'm going to read verse 26. You read 27. We'll keep going alternating to verse 31, all right? I'll read verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. You know, this passage right here is real famous because that's when Jesus foretells Peter's denial, right? And but if you look, Peter, Peter was someone who he was that guy who always was like talking like all the time. Like you tell them something and they always they'd immediately flip it on you and tell them like, no, nah, that's not it. That's not it. You know, like if you look at Peter, Peter was always the first person to speak up. Right. Anytime Jesus said anything, Peter was the first one to speak up. You ever been like around someone like that? Like anytime you try to have a conversation with them and they like they like speaking up the whole time. You can't even get like a word in. He's like, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm and then like, they, they never even ask, like, how are you? You know, like, oh, I'm sorry. But like Peter was that guy. He was like always like talking. Like he was just like, I can imagine the other disciples were like looking at Peter like, can you just, Peter, you're getting us in more trouble. Can you just like shut up? Because like every time Peter, every time Jesus would say anything, Peter was the first one to jump out. He said, me, Lord, me. Oh, no, no, not you, God. He just always jumped into it. He was always so enthusiastic, right? And I've heard so many sermons that talk about Peter, and we're like, everyone knocks on Peter, but Peter got out of the boat. <laughs> right? You know, you hear those sermons like, at least Peter got out of the boat. You won't get out of the boat. And I'm like, yeah, I won't get out of the boat. But anyways, like... And even in this case, they had just had like a, they had just had a, a, a praise time, right? They had just finished singing praise songs. They had finished singing a hymn. And then Jesus came through like, you will all fall away. Like, imagine that. Like, imagine like Brian up here leading praise. And then at the very end, he's like, and you will all deny Christ. Everyone's like, oh, what are you doing? Like, in that very moment, when Jesus spoke those things out, the first thing Peter says is no. No. Even they may deny you, but I ain't going to deny you. They may turn away from you, but I'm not. And, you know, Peter was always, you know, when, whenever you meet someone, I'm just speaking real. I'm not giving you like an exegete of this right now. And this is what it says in every single commentary. But you ever meet that person that's always speaking first? And like they answer every question first and every time and like you never get a word in. You always like it's just like, hmm, 
something's, something's not right there. You know, Peter was, you know, the reason why Peter always spoke first was because Peter was always trying to save himself. You know, this word right here where Jesus says you will all fall away. In the Greek, it actually just means that you will, you will doubt a bit. And you will doubt and you will, and you will leave. But he says, after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus pretty much told them that they were going to leave. And then he told them where to go. He said, I'll meet you up in Galilee, right? But Peter's not even trying to hear that. He's like, no, not me. And then Jesus is like, all right, Peter, check it out. Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter once again says, even if I must die, God, I will never deny you. And so many times when we read this passage, we think that we think that Christ is just simply being like he's just prophesying. Right. He's just telling us exactly what's going to happen in the future. But that's not what Christ was actually doing. Yes, he was telling him what was going to happen. But true prophecy is that God speaks and reveals the deep things of your heart. See, what Christ was actually doing was Christ was saying, Peter, you you aren't who you think you are. Every single time you jump out of the boat, every single time that you were like, no, Lord, it won't happen to you. Every single time you were the first to step up. You know what? Actually, Peter, you're going to be the one who denies me the most. And the word that Jesus uses for deny when he's talking to Peter is actually to mean to completely disown. Like, I don't even know you. And then what happens? We skip over to verse uh, 66. I'm going somewhere, so keep stay with me. Peter, we all know this part, right? Peter is out there and he's with the servant. He's out there in the courtyard and he's just seen Jesus get beat down. You go one verse up and it says that the, 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 um, it says that the guards received Jesus with blows. Like it's not even like that, that they went at him with blows. They received him with blows. Like Jesus was coming towards them and he walked into right and left hands. You know what I mean? Like they, he saw Jesus get beat down right then and there. And then he's out there and Peter's chilling. And then the servant girl, the slave girl comes up to him and says, hey, aren't you with him? He's like, woman, I don't know. What, what? I don't know you. If you hear what he says, he, it says that Peter acts like he doesn't even understand what she's saying. He's like, well, what, 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 what? I, I, don't, shh, I, I can't connection. Connection's wrong. You know, he's like acting like I don't even hear what you're saying. And then when she says it again, hey, everyone, look, this is this is Peter. He's one of them. And he's, he's like, no, no, I, I don't even know. I don't even know him. I don't even know. I don't even know who you're talking about. And then one of the bystanders speaks, right? And they say, yo, you got to be one of them because you're, you're from Galilee. And all his homies are Galileans. And then it says what? We've always understood it as Peter curses, right? But it actually says in the ESV, a more literal translation, that Peter invokes a curse on himself. And it says, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, right? And then Peter remembered what Jesus had said to him. And then what does it say at that last verse, verse 72? He broke down and wept. In other translations, it says that Peter wept bitterly. In other areas of the, of the gospels, it says that Peter wept bitterly. And I believe in John, it actually says that Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And then Peter realized and he thought about what just happened and he began to weep bitterly. 
You know, Peter didn't weep bitterly because he, because Jesus' prophecy was right. Peter wept bitterly because he realized that at the deep, deep areas of his heart, he only sought to save himself. All that time, Peter was walking around proclaiming Jesus, acting like he was the the top disciple. And he was always saying, I would never deny you. But then that moment came where he was in a, a place of pressure and he denied Jesus. And what came to the surface in that very moment was that that Peter was motivated by self-preservation and not by the love of Christ. And so many of us in the body of Christ today, we walk around as shadows of the people that God is calling us to be because we are motivated by self-preservation and we are motivated by ourselves and we are motivated by protecting ourselves, satisfying ourselves and experiencing our own destiny. But see, Jesus said in his word, he said, whoever seeks to save himself, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? That word for soul or for life, it actually means not just you're living like I'm alive right now, my life that I live. It actually means your mind, will, and your emotions. It, it's a word that contains everything. And it encompasses everything as to who you are and your identity. And so many of us are motivated by trying to save ourselves. Trying to find ourselves. And so when we walk around and we're in the world and we're in different atmospheres, when we're in church, we're a real good Christian. And when we're in church and we're in the four walls of the church, we're able to sing the praise songs. We're able to jump around. We're able to pray the prayers. But as soon as we go someplace else, we lose ourselves again and we become an entirely different person. You know, the thing about a shadow is, is if you is if you you walk into a room that's complete darkness, you no longer have a shadow. Or if you stand next to someone else and your shadows touch, you you have one shadow, you no longer have two shadows. Many of us in the body of Christ, when we step into dark areas or we go into places, we go around other believers that may not be, I don't know, We lose ourselves because ultimately our true motivation is not Christ. Our motivation is self-preservation. Our motivation is ourselves. How can I save myself? How can I gratify myself? How can I make sure that everyone around me approves of me? Everyone around me likes me. You know, the funny thing was, was that The first person that talked to Peter was a slave. And Peter chose to identify more with the slave than he would with Jesus. And the funny thing is, is when we get around people that are in bondage or we go in areas, we choose to identify more with the people who are in slavery than we do with Jesus. And we put ourselves under the same bondage as the person next to us. 
when God is actually calling us to be the people who bring them out of darkness and into light. See, before you can go any further, before you can, you, before you can step into whatever destiny or whatever calling or receive whatever that God has for you, the first thing that has to happen is that you have to lose this self-preservation. Because you won't be entrusted with everything that God has for you if He knows that it's just gonna be for yourself. I was actually reading this morning, it was my Bible reading this morning in James 4, when James says, you ask, you have not because you ask not. But he says that even when you ask, it won't be given to you because you are only doing it to satisfy your own pleasures, your own passions. See, Peter was walking around as an orphan. Self-preservation is a characteristic of an orphan, not a son. An orphan always feels like I got to look out for protecting myself, feeding myself and my future because I don't have anyone else there to back me up. But a son recognizes that things are different. But we have to realize first and foremost that that's, apart from Jesus, that's where we're at. But the second thing, the second thing is that we need to, we need to find ourselves in Christ. Turn to John 21. You guys still with me? And I, I want to go through, we're going to go through the, uh, the restoration of Peter. Because Peter came to this realization that his only motivation, all that time that he would step out of the boat, every single time he would go out there, all these different things. Yes, Peter had a, he had a love for Christ because he left, he left everything to follow him. But it was Peter first and then God second. And God was just a means by which Peter could find himself rather than it being about God so he comes to this realization and he weeps bitterly but his story changes praise the Lord <laughs> let's go to let's read verse verse 15 I'm going to go through I'm going to read through verse 15 to 19 for us when they had finished breakfast this is this is after all of this has happened this is after Jesus has been crucified he's resurrected he's he's come back and now he's appearing to them as he said he would he says when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is Peter we're talking about, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. It actually means he was unbelievably saddened because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. In this passage right here, Jesus is restoring Peter, right? And so many times when we hear this passage, we're always thinking that, oh, well, why did Jesus say it three times? Well, Jesus said it three times because Peter denied him three times and he wanted to do a complete restoration. I don't know why I'm using that voice right now, but uh, (laughs) it's it's not like an audio book and the complete restoration. All right. So he wants to he wants. So many of us, we think that Jesus did it three times because Jesus wanted to completely restore him from the denial. And part of that is true. But really, what Jesus was waiting on was for Peter to confess that he fully trusted in the Lord. He kept asking him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's like, of course, I love you. I love you. I love you. But then the third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. You know what Peter was saying in that very moment? He was saying, Lord, you know that deep in my heart, there are places that look out only for myself. You know that deep in my heart, God, that a lot of times my motivation has only been to save myself. You know everything, God. But Lord, still, there is a place, Lord, where I love you. He was confessing before God that he could be completely naked before God. And he was still saying, Lord, even though my love, it may be weak, it's still true. And it's funny because after he says that, that's when Jesus says, well, truly, I say to you, when you were old, Peter, When you were young, Peter, when you were a young buck walking around, you used to do everything you wanted to do. You used to clothe yourself. You used to put your clothes on yourself. You used to provide for yourself. And you used to walk around anywhere you wanted to go. Like you were young. Like an infant. But when you're old. When you're old. Someone will clothe you. And then take you around to places you do not go. You do not want to go. And so many of us read this passage and we're like, oh, snap. That means the Lord's going to send me to, he's going to send me to the farthest corner of the earth. He's going to send me to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. He's going to send me to Asia. I don't want to go to Asia. Well, you're in Asia. But he's going to send me, you know, he's going to send me to a country I don't want to go. But really what the Lord was saying right there, he's saying, Peter, finally, you're at a place where you're not looking out simply for yourself. But you trust me. And now I will provide for you. I will clothe you. And I will take you wherever I am to call you to go. Follow me. And there's something else that so many of us are so worried about what we're going to do. And what's God calling me to. And where am I really supposed to go? But there's something really peculiar about this particular passage of scripture. It's that Jesus keeps calling him son of John. Simon, son of John. Simon, son of John. Simon, son of John. And then every time that, that Simon, that Peter answers, he gives him his calling. He says, feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed my lambs. Follow me. And the funny thing is, is that Jesus only calls Simon's son in two events in the entire Bible. 
In the entire New Testament, there's only two places where Jesus calls Peter a son. And it's when he calls him in John 1. When he initially meets him, he says, Simon, son of John. And he tells him to follow me. And then it's in John 21 where he says, Simon, son of John, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, follow me. You're wondering what kind of call God has for your life and how you're supposed to really manifest what God has for you. But the only way you will ever access the call that God has for your life is through sonship. It's only through being a son that you will ever find your divine purpose. When Peter's walking down the street in Acts 5, he's not walking in any fear. He's not walking in any sort of self-gratification. He's never, he's never walking trying to satisfy himself. He's walking completely as a son, trusting God. That's why Jesus says, Simon, son of John. It's the only other time, other than the first time he calls him, that he refers to Simon's sonship. You cannot access the things that God has for you as an orphan. You can't. It's only as a son. And the only way that's manifested is in trusting the Lord. It says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It says in Isaiah chapter, chapter 7 verse 9 that we are to be firm in faith. That faith is talking about trusting in God's unfailing goodness and provision for your life. And it says, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. That entire time, Peter was never firm in faith because the entire time he was walking around, he was motivated by gratifying himself. He did the work, he sung the songs, he, he had the form of godliness, but he denied the power. Isn't that a shadow? It's got the form, but no, no power. A shadow can't hurt you. I'm not saying this to discourage you, but I'm saying it to say that God is wanting to take you into places of sonship. You know that God only reveals something if he intends to heal it. You know that God only speaks to certain areas of your life if he intends to make it right. In the Bible, when you look at God showing up, God never revealed himself without delivering his people. Even right now, I don't know what you're feeling inside your heart and I don't know what God is illuminating. But if God is revealing to you right now that you may be depending on yourself and that all your plans are based upon yourself and everything for yourself and everything is about how you provide for yourself, how your call is for yourself and everything is about you. The reason why God brings that up is because he intends to touch it. The reason why is because God wants to bring you into a place where you are established as a son. Where you don't walk around wondering how are you going to be provided for. Wondering how you're going to get to the next day. You don't walk around like a double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways. So many of us in the church walk as double-minded people. And that's why when we walk in areas of darkness, we're unstable. But God wants to take you to a place of sonship. 
It says in his word in Romans 8 that we have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That spirit is a spirit that lends us to trust God in every single area of our lives. You know, lately God has been, he's been challenging specifically in the area of provision, financial provision. And I know finances is like something we don't really like to talk about in the church. Because we think that God wants us all to be just poor, pitiful, wretched, blind, and naked. But when, but that's actually how, that's actually how Jesus indicts the church in the book of Revelation. He says, you're poor, you're pitiful, you're wretched, you're blind, you're naked. You know, and I'd been, I'd been like really just struggling in the area of just even trusting God with finances. Trusting God with my tithe. Trusting God with, even give, with giving an offering. Because I'm like, Lord, that's not to say I didn't do it. I did it. But every time I did it, I was like, there you go. All right. All right. Here, here, here's, here's my offering. There you go. Here's my tithe. And it wasn't in a place of faith. It was as an orphan. It was believing that, it wasn't believing Malachi. It wasn't believing that if I test him in this area, that he will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out more blessings on me than I can actually handle. You know, it says that in his word. You know, it says that, that the righteous are never forsaken. His children are never begging for bread. But so many of us live a Christian life that we're afraid of begging for bread. That's been me. But, you know, God began to remind me of a couple of different times. I'll share a couple of them uh, where God had actually met me in supernatural provision. One time it was uh, I, I just came to this church. I just came to JSEM. It was JSEM at the time. And now it's New Philadelphia Church. And I just came and I was a college student. And um, you guys don't really know my testimony too much. But when I was a college student, I didn't know the Lord. And then when I came to Korea, I knew the Lord, but I was still like in both the ways i was like one foot in one foot out you know i was doing like the hokey pokey on that joint and like so i go i'd be up in the clubs i'd be up in everything else and i'd I'd be like totally like filled with so much shame so much guilt so much just oppression and then on the opposite end when i would come to church and i would be in the presence of god i'd experience so much freedom but as soon as i stepped out i experienced so much shame and uh and it took some time for me to get really healed and delivered from all of those things from living that kind of that worldly life and and then um and then what happened one day i was at church and i was sitting there and, and uh the time it came around for for tithes and offerings and i was sitting there in the back and uh and i remember sitting there and all i had was like i think i had like forty thousand won, and that's all i had to my name that's all i had and I'm sitting there and I have 40,000 won. And I'm like, all right. The, the offering basket comes around and I just hear Lord, the Lord saying, put it in the basket. I'm like, is that you, Lord? Nah, that's Satan. I rebuke you, Satan. That's not Satan. That's Satan. And I rebuke you. I rebuke you, Satan. That's not. And I hear it again. Marcus, just trust me. Put it in there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Marcus, just do it. All right. Okay. All right. I put it in there and, and my next thought is, man, how am I going to get home? 
Like, I ain't even got any tea money. Like, I'm, I don't have anything on my card. I'm like, how am I even going to get away from church? I'm sleeping at church tonight. Like, I have, I have nothing. Like, what am I going to do? I just gave all of this to, to God and gave it all to the church. Like, somebody else got my 40,000 won now. And then I'm like sitting there and I'm all depressed and I'm just like, I'm really down. And I'm like, I don't know how I can trust God in this. And then I'm, I'm on my way out. I'm on my way out and I see, I see Pastor Christian. And at the time he was just, uh, he wasn't a pastor. He was just doing campus ministry. He's like, Marcus, come here for a second. I'm like, oh snap, I'm in trouble. What'd I do? I, I like walk over. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's up? He's like, somebody, somebody just gave me this envelope for you. I'm like, a word? Like, for me yeah yeah it's for you and it had my name written on it it wasn't his handwriting because at first i was like looking at it thinking like you know but i look at it and it's not his handwriting and i open it up and it's double what i put in the offering basket and there's been actually there's been countless different times that i can testify to the lord when you trust him in certain areas as a son that's when you step into what he really has for you so many of us are tearing away and we're receiving the world's blessing and we're gaining the world when God actually has heaven for us. When God actually has the blessings of heaven that he's wanting to bring down into earth. Supernatural miracles, creativity, all kinds of different things that God is wanting to bring into your life. But as long as we are walking in self-preservation as an orphan, we don't experience it. But you find out who you really are when you put your trust in God. And the last thing, the first, you have to find out, you have to realize who you're really not. And you have to get rid of that self-preservation. And then you have to turn and you have to begin to put your trust in the Lord as a son. And then once you begin to put your trust in the Lord as a son, that's when you begin to experience access. That's when you begin to experience everything that God actually has for you to accomplish the calling that he's put on your life. How many of you guys believe that God has purposed you for amazing things? Yeah, raise your hand right now. I want to see how many people. The rest of you guys just receive it. God has he's put a mighty plan on your life. But, you know... It wasn't until Peter and it wasn't until the rest of the, the rest of the apostles had had come to that knowledge of who they really were in Christ and that all they had was in Jesus. That then Jesus began to entrust them with more. If you turn to Acts 2, you see that what happens, that's when God begins to pour out his spirit upon the people and he begins to pour out a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, unlike anything else that has ever been present and seen in history. And that's when they begin to see even greater supernatural wonders and signs than anything else they had ever seen before. But God didn't give that to them when they were walking around as orphans. Jesus even said to him, he said, behold, I do not leave you with nothing. I do not leave you alone as an orphan, but I send what? My Holy Spirit. He said, as a father gives good gifts to his son, how much more will the father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? My point here, beloved, is that once you believe, once you come to the place that you know that you don't have to rely on yourself anymore, you don't have to walk in your own self-preservation. And once you realize that you can put all your faith and your trust in Jesus, that is when you begin to experience everything that God has for you. 
That's when you begin to experience the provision that, ha- that the Lord has. That's when you walk out in the street and you lay your hands on the sick and you see them healed. That's when you walk out and you see the people in your family saved. That's when you go into, that's when you go into the clubs and the bars and you have conversations with people and it's not just simply, oh, well, just how's it going, how things are going and no one ends up being changed. But you see the presence and power of God enter into that very place. Before you know it, the Lord is bringing out your very testimony and the dark things in your life to proclaim in boldness into their lives and you see them getting healed and transformed. That's when you see you, you stepping out and you know, you being able to take those dark things and proclaim it. It's only by realizing that you, you're not saved in of yourself. And that everything you have is in Jesus. And that everything that you get is from God. And he seeks to give you everything. My story was one that I was abused. For the first 15 years of my life. And it was like three, four times a week. I'd go home. And my stepdad would beat my mom. He'd beat me. He'd tell me I was nothing. He'd tell me I was, he would tell me I'm, I'm destined for nothing. And I'll always be poor. And I'll always be left behind. And I'll always be an orphan. And he would tell my mom the same thing. And we always lived in all this constant fear. And then all, out, of, out of nowhere, God plucked me out of that place. But when he plucked me out of that place, you know where he put me? Oh, this is funny, actually. I'm just getting this right. He put me in a shelter. <laughs> he always puts us in shelter when he takes us out of the grasp of the enemy. But we lived in a battered women's shelter and we were and we were homeless. And I remember the, I remember walking around with so much shame at my new school because at the school I was at beforehand everyone knew me, you know. I was I was on the I was I was on the like the wrestling team I, back where I was from the wrestling team was big, maybe not where you're from. But anyway, where, where I was from the wrestling team was big and uh and everyone knew me and I was like, you know, popular and everything and then I go to this new school and nobody knows me. And it's, Who are you? I'm Marcus. Nice to meet you. Why are you talking like that? I don't know. And people would ask me where I lived and I was always ashamed to tell them that I lived in in the women's shelter. I would always lie to them. I'd say, oh, I just live down the street. And I was filled with so much shame and so much bitterness and so much hurt. And then I direct, and then it was so funny because God moved me from the city that I was in to this new city that I lived in, Asheboro, North Carolina, which turned out to be like the most Christian town in the entire state of North Carolina per capita, apparently. So like every day I walk outside, I go to school and there'd be like all these Christians like standing outside around the flagpole. Right. And I'd see them. And every single time, like I would meet one of them. They're always so happy. Hey, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? God loves you. And I'm like, I hate you. Why are you talking to me? Right. And they and then I would talk to them and they would always seem so happy and they always seem so free. And I got so bitter. And they'd be like, God is so good. And I was like, if God is so good, he wouldn't have had me in those 15 years of getting beaten, getting told I was nothing. If God is so good, he wouldn't have me in this shelter. Where on Christmas, I'm just receiving, I'm not receiving anything. I'm not getting anything. Everything that I ever received for those two, three years that we were in that orphanage were, were hand-me-downs. Like they give it to me and it would be like all folded up. And I was like, wait, last week I saw... I saw her wearing it. I saw someone else wearing it. Yeah, I know you heard me say her. It was, it was jeans. <laughs> I was filled with so much shame. I was filled with so much bitterness. And, and, 
And so when people came to me and talking about, there's a God, He loves you. He has a great plan for your life. You know what? I was like, bump that. I hate God. You know what? God doesn't even exist. If God's so good, if He's so great, why didn't He save me? And then all throughout college, I was an atheist all throughout college. And the way I filled myself is I was, I was just living a life of debauchery. I was promiscuous. I was sleeping around. I was getting drunk, getting high all the time. It's because I was, and I was so ashamed of myself because I thought that, you know what, if I do that, you know, that's what's going to save me. And then I thought in my schoolwork, if I work as hard as I can in my schoolwork, that may be what saves me. And I thought all these different things would save me. But at the end of the day, I had lost myself. At the end of the day, I had no idea who I was. At the end of the day, I was just broken, alone, like an orphan. And even, and God met me. God met me. He met me in a miraculous way. But even after that, I've been a Christian now for almost four years. And even after that, even in the church, I thought, I thought, you know what? I gotta, I gotta work my way up. I gotta work my way past all the things that I've done. Lord, you know all the bad things I've done, all the horrible things I've said and everything that I've been through, Lord. But God, I, I know if I work as hard as I can, I know if I can make this for myself, I can save myself in your sight. I can find out who I really am. I can, I can save myself. But still, at the end of the day, I felt alone, felt broken, felt like an orphan. Because just because I was in the four walls of the church didn't change my mindset. I was still seeking to save myself. But it was only till God met me and said, you know what, Marcus, you're not an orphan. You're a son. And all your needs I will meet according to my riches and glory. Marcus, the poor can exult in their riches because I will meet them. I will exalt them. I will pour out my blessings upon them. That's when God began to really release his power and his glory and his presence in my life. That the shadows in my life can be used to set other other people free. I believe that that's what the Lord has for you. I believe that that's your destiny. That the shadows and the dark things in your life and the things that you have held on to. You don't have to seek seek to save yourself any longer. But he's going to provide everything you need. So that when you step outside, you're not clothed in just your own clothes, but you're clothed with divine power. You're not walking in your own provision. You're walking in divine provision. You're not walking in your own strength and intellect, but you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon you unto the knowledge of God. That every word that you speak is not simply your own words, but it is heaven's words. And then when people meet you, they don't just say that they met a good person, but they say that they encountered God. That's your destiny. But he wants us to step into it. So church, let's pray.
Real quick, I want us to just go into a time of prayer together. And I believe that that word that the Lord has spoken out, he spoke to me in my Holy Spirit class was from the Holy Spirit. That, that this, is a, this is going to be a house where people walk in such divine purpose and walk in such divine boldness and favor. They walk in so much of the presence of God, not as slaves and not as people who are trying to work, but as sons. That the sick, that the lame, that the people who feel like they can't walk for themselves, the people who feel like they've been oppressed and beaten down, they're just going to come and they're going to line themselves up and they're going to encounter God when they encounter us. But the first thing that has to go is this mindset that I must preserve myself. And so what I want us to do right now is I want you to begin to pray. If you feel like, you know, Lord, I've been, you know what, actually, Lord, I've been entirely motivated by self. You know, God, even even in getting even in making that confession of faith, God, it was based more out of just trying to save myself than it was a revelation of your love. God wants us to do right now is he wants us to repent he wants us to and repentance doesn't mean just saying I'm sorry repentance I like the way Bill Johnson refines it he says it means a return to the penthouse you repent you return to the penthouse you return to the to the status to the place that God actually has for you you return to the mindset that God actually has decreed and put over your life and so if that's been you and you've been motivated by self and motivated by my own desires and Lord, actually, I don't, I don't really trust you, God. I want, us to, I want you to begin to repent and begin to lay these things before the Lord and say, Lord, you know everything. Lord, you know everything. Lord, you know my heart. And you know, God, that there is some self-preservation there. There is some self-gratification. There is that desire for those things, God. But Lord, you know, God, that I love you still. Because I believe the Lord, as we then turn and we begin to put our trust in him, that's when he's going to begin to give us access into greater things. So right now, I want you to begin to pray. If that's you, I I just want you to begin to pray. And I want everyone in this house to begin to pray right now. And I want us to pray that God would begin to take us to the place where we would lose ourselves for his sake not because we're just seeking to we're not trying to die it's because we trust jesus it's because we trust him for our provision we trust him for everything that he has we trust that what he has is better so church i want us to begin to pray right now i want us to begin to lift up your voices and if that's you i want you to begin to come before the lord